As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there, with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell him that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of them and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Victoria. Uh, Good morning, everyone. Uh, Shall we pray as we come to God's word this morning? Let's bow our heads and pray. Our Father, we thank you for this time, this Sunday morning, when we get to remember and celebrate that Jesus is King. And as we come to his word now and think about him, we pray that you would grow in our hearts that conviction that he is our king, our Lord, and that we would bring all of our lives uh, under his rule. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's a Sunday afternoon in Jerusalem, and it's a hot, sweaty, heaving, noisy crowd. You go outside to find out what's going on. There are people chanting but you can't really see where the noise is coming from, but you push through the crowd, and you find yourself uh, in front of a man sitting on a donkey. There's another donkey next to him, and they're walking along, and the crowds are putting uh, palm branches in front of him, and they're putting their cloaks down in front of the road, uh, like a kind of an improvised red carpet. They're singing a psalm that you know well, and you want to know what all the fuss is about. So you tap one of these Uh, pilgrims on the shoulder and shout in his ear, who is this? You're wondering whether this might be the person God has promised to come and deliver your people, to free you from your enemies. Well, the man turns round uh, and he shouts back in a northern accent, this is Jesus, he's a prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. That's the punchline to the story that we just read from God's word. And it's actually a letdown. It's like when a balloon, when you let all the air out of a balloon and it just goes flat. We get the big entrance, noise and chanting and people praising Jesus. But then when the crowds who have followed him all the way from Galilee get asked, who is this? All they've got to say is he's a prophet, Jesus, from Nazareth, you know, up north in Galilee. He's just a prophet. He's just a good teacher. It's the kind of thing we might say about Mahatma Gandhi or Martin Luther King. 
And it's a relatively easy thing to say, isn't it? No one minds a Jesus who's got some good ideas to help us all get along. The kind of Jesus who um, would encourage us to have a big society, as David Cameron was putting it this week. And no one minds a Jesus who we could actually choose to ignore some of the things he says. Because he's just a guy with some good ideas. We've been singing this morning uh, about Jesus, our King. We've been celebrating that, haven't we? But I wonder if a little bit of what we've sung this morning stuck in our throats a bit. And we actually found it hard to sing about a Jesus who we would follow with all of our lives. How about when we go out from here and live in the world where it doesn't look like Jesus is king all that much? Do we find it hard to really believe that Jesus is king? Speaking personally, I'd say I'm fairly comfortable with a Jesus who can give me some guidance, who can give me some peace. I'm comfortable with a Jesus who doesn't always call me to put others before myself. A Jesus who doesn't challenge me on parts of my life that I'd rather not get challenged on. I'm even fairly comfortable talking about that kind of Jesus with other people. Oh yeah, he's got great ideas on this or on that. But the question that this passage is asking us this morning is, is that the real Jesus? Is that the real Jesus? That guy with the good ideas, but not much more than that. Well, let's look again at this familiar story and see if we can see this morning perhaps with new eyes, what the crowds didn't see about Jesus. Um, The warm-up is in verse 3. Have a look with me at verse 3. Jesus is making the arrangements to get this donkey that he's going to ride on. And he says something interesting to the disciples. He says, if anyone says anything to you, tell him that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. The Lord needs them. Uh, it's Jesus is coming and he's going to come and borrow this donkey but he doesn't just say please could I have it he says the Lord needs it if you came and wanted to borrow my car for a trip if you asked me nicely I'd probably let you have it but if you said the Lord needs the car I'd be like what? pretty cheeky but that's who Jesus thinks he is he knows that he is the Lord he knows that he's got the right to that donkey and to everything in our world but actually there's something bigger going on than that Jesus takes this donkey because he wants to do uh, something that one writer calls an acted quotation. He's acting out a quote from the Old Testament. He wants to say as he sits on that donkey, look, this is who I am. I'm this person that you can read about in your Bible. Um, So we're going to turn to uh, the place that Jesus is talking about. Uh, It's the book of Zechariah in the Old Testament, and it's on page 955. I don't know about you, but I don't often find myself in in Zechariah, but we're going to go there this morning and see what it is that Jesus is saying about himself. Page 955 in your pew Bibles, Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9. So verse 9, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. That's just another name for Jerusalem. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim, that's God's people, and the war horses from Jerusalem, the capital city, and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea, 
and from the river to the ends of the earth. I think there's two, two key things that Jesus is wanting to highlight for us about himself from those verses. Uh, the first thing is, I think Jesus wants us to see him as the universal king. That's who he's claiming to be. Uh, did you see there? Jesus says that uh, God's king will proclaim peace to the nations, to the whole world. His rule will extend from sea to sea, from the river to the ends of the earth. So when Jesus sits on that donkey, he's saying, I'm not just a prophet. He's not even saying that he's just a king for Jewish people or for Christians. He's saying that he is God's king to the ends of the earth. It's a very big claim, isn't it? It's a claim that Jesus deserves the allegiance of every person uh, that we've met on our way here this morning, of every person in this building, and of every person that we will meet this week. Jesus is God's king for the whole earth. He's the king. It's a very big claim, isn't it? Well, the other thing that Jesus wants us to see is that this kingship, though, is a surprising kingship. It might not be the kind of kingship we expect. Have a look at verse 10. Um, When this king comes, God says that he will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem. So there's this contrast between what God's king is riding, a donkey, and these war horses. The war horses are kind of like battle tanks. And so we need to picture a city that's arming itself for war, that needs to defend itself, that is wanting more muscle so that it can save itself. It's a a picture, really, of what we always tend to do as humanity. We try and save ourselves. We try and get more muscle. We try and do it our way, rather than trusting in God and his promises. And God knows that. And so when he sends a king, he sends a king who is very, very different to that. He's not a king who rides a battle tank. He's a king who comes on a donkey. And Jesus is saying, when he sits on that donkey, he's saying, I may not look like the king you expect, but I am actually God's king. I am this king that God told you to expect in the Old Testament. I'm the king who comes on a donkey. Let me give an example of how people might get this wrong. Uh, People in Jesus' time were expecting a great king who would come and free them from the Romans, a military king. And so when Jesus came riding on this donkey, they, they overlooked him. They thought, oh, it's a prophet. He just looks like all the other prophets. He must be a prophet. And they didn't see what Jesus was actually saying, that he was God's king. In fact, that city ended up rejecting Jesus. Just a few days later, they nailed him to a cross. And again, they hadn't realized that that would be the way that God's kingdom would come. That the kingdom would come through death, through suffering, through Jesus being rejected. They didn't recognize any of that. But Jesus, as he sits on that donkey, he's preparing the way for all that. He's setting the stage. He wants us to see that he is the king. But it may be a surprising way that he goes about being the king. 
Well, let's have a think about how this might affect us this Easter. Firstly, I think we need to see that Jesus himself claims to be more than a prophet. Uh, I was watching on TV a, a year or so ago a discussion of a book that really interested me. It's written by a, a guy called Philip Pullman, who some of you, particularly if you've got children, may have heard of. Uh, he's the author of a series called His Dark Materials. And it's a kind of a, an atheist version of what C.S. Lewis and Tolkien were trying to do with their books, uh, kind of telling a big, grand story for children, but from an atheist worldview rather than from a Christian one. So he's quite a well-known writer, but he's written a more general book recently uh, that's for, for adults as well. And it's called this. It's called The Good Man Jesus and the Scoundrel Christ. The Good Man Jesus and the Scoundrel Christ. He does something interesting. He basically uh, rewrites the gospel story, imagining that instead of just one person, there are actually twins. This nice brother, Jesus, who goes around healing people uh, and, and telling people nice things and teaching good stuff. But he's got this twin brother called Christ, who's jealous of Jesus and ends up twisting what Jesus says for his own purposes. Now, Philip Pullman doesn't actually think that there were twins. But what he's doing is giving us a picture of what he does think was happening, which was that there was this historical person, Jesus, who was a good person, who taught some very fascinating things. But then the church is like the Christ figure, twisting what Jesus said for its own purposes, making him out to be somebody more than Jesus ever really claimed to be. That's what Philip Pullman thinks is going on. I hope we can see that's just very, very, very unlikely, isn't it? And I think this passage is a great place to see that. Jesus, when he came into Jerusalem, deliberately chose to sit on a donkey and ride into the city like a king. He knew what he was doing. He wanted everyone in that city to know exactly who he claimed to be. It was public. It's not the kind of thing you can make up very easily. Jesus himself claimed to be God's king for the whole world. And that means we'd be pretty foolish, I think, to listen to Jesus as a good teacher if we didn't think that he was also our king. Uh, C.S. Lewis puts this quite well. He says, you can either think that Jesus is mad, he thought he was God's king, but actually he wasn't, he was just deluded. Or you can think reasonably that he was a liar, that he was bad. He just made up all this stuff. Or you can think that he was God's king. But there isn't really an option to say that he was just a nice person, because Jesus makes much bigger claims than that. And we'd be really foolish, I think, to build our lives on the teaching of somebody who is either mad or bad. It's only worth building our lives on the teaching of somebody who was who he said he was. In fact, if he was who he said he was, we have to build our lives on him because he's God's king. Well, if we're Christians this morning, I think this passage is helpful for us as well. We may, we may understand that Jesus is God's king, but it's a struggle, if we're honest, isn't it, to keep remembering that. Sometimes that can feel unlikely. There's this tension that we have uh, of living in the world where Jesus has these enormous claims, but we don't often see it day to day. And maybe we've found that we've got expectations for what it will be like following this king that just haven't been met. 
And so, very subtly, we start downgrading Jesus and thinking of him as a little bit more optional, what he says. If, it, if he doesn't seem to be really ruling, then maybe it doesn't really matter if I don't take what he says that seriously. Still go to church, of course. Still make sure that we're ticking some of the, the key boxes, but maybe we're just less serious about applying what he says to our lives and to the lives of our families. Well, I don't know about you, I certainly find myself doing that. And I find this passage really helpful. Because actually, when Jesus rode into Jerusalem, he was saying that God had always said that his king would be surprising. He'd look like quite an unlikely king. He wouldn't be the kind of king that we might expect. But he was that king. He was the king who came on a donkey, not on a war horse. God's king always came in a way that would be surprising. And Jesus knew that, didn't he? He knew that he was coming into Jerusalem as the king. And he knew that he would go and die on the cross. But he also knew that he would rise three days later. And that through his followers, peace would be proclaimed to the whole world from sea to sea. In fact, if we look around us, Jesus' kingship is happening. We are under his rule here. We are following the king. And what he is saying is happening. So let's remember that. Whenever we think of Jesus riding on the donkey, that he always said he would be a surprising king. But he always said he would be a worldwide king too. Well, we're coming now to share the Lord's Supper. And I was thinking about this. What better picture of Jesus' kingship um, than this bread and wine? They're not really much to look at, are they, if we're honest? A little bit of white bread, a little cup of grape juice. But Jesus' kingdom doesn't come in fancy packaging. It's not much to look at. But we're right to call it the Lord's Supper. Because just as Jesus died, three days later he rose again. He is the Lord. The man who was sitting on a donkey is now sitting at God's right hand. And he's the person who is inviting us to come and eat and drink with him. Well, let's pray as we come and do that. Father God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he was so clear that he came as your king, the Lord, to save us. Please help us to avoid the mistake that the crowds made in not recognizing Jesus as king. Help us to recognize him as the king of kings, that we may rejoice in his death and resurrection for us until he comes again. In his name we pray. Amen.